Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we are continuing our The Joy of Overcoming series. And um, and um, let me get my paper sorted. Sweet. And uh, look, it, it's it's a series that has been good. Hopefully, you got a lot out of it, and we're coming to the end of of it. But it's uh, today we're looking at the overcoming control. And uh, you, you might be thinking that's an interesting title, but we'll unpack that as we we go forward. Now, I wonder if uh, you guys like me have had the "I can't wait" statements in your life. Maybe you've got these I can't wait statements rolling around in your head where I can't wait for something. When I was a baby, I don't know for sure, but I'm sure as a little baby I, I would have been like, I can't wait to start walking. I can't wait to start running and throwing things. And then as I, as I probably grew into a toddler, probably, I think I did, and um, I would have been like, I can't wait to go to school. I can't wait to be of the big kids. I can't wait to, so I can start to use language well. I can't wait so I can start playing the bigger kid games. And then at school, I, w- I remember this one actually, I-, I can't wait to get my own computer. I don't really like sharing with them. I can't wait to have my phone, my first phone. I was like, ah, oh, landmark moments. Um, I can't wait until I finish school. That was one I was just like, finished grade seven at least, and I'm like, yeah. And then high school, I'm like, oh. And then I can't wait to finish high school. Halfway through high school, I was like, I can't wait until I get a job. Just, just can't wait until I can start earning my own money. I just can't wait until I get that responsibility. You know, looking back now, I'm like, what was I thinking? Um, and then towards the end of school, I'm like, I can't wait to go to uni. I can't wait to go to college. I can't wait to have meaningful, deep relationships. I can't wait to get married. I can't wait until we have kids. I can't wait until we buy a house and settle down. I can't wait until we go on holidays and big epic family adventures together. I can't wait until we get a a better job, a bigger job, more money, more freedom, more time. I can't wait until my kids... Well, this was probably a little bit back, but this was a big one for me. I couldn't wait until my kids were toilet trained. Like, that was a biggie for me. I was just like, that was a landmark moment as a parent. I'm like, that was one to look forward to. But the, and, we, and then I go through life, and I'm like, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait until my kids have kids. Hold off, girls. Okay, not yet. But uh, I can't wait until I'm a granddad. I don't know if I'm going to be a grandpa or a granddad. I don't know which way I'm going to go on that. But I can't wait for these things. I can't wait to retire and slow down for once in my life. I can't wait for these things. I can't wait to be with my Lord and Saviour at the end. And I, it's something to look forward to. And uh, I'd say that for, for many of us, maybe, maybe you resonate with a few of those I can't wait statements, but I would guarantee you've got your own I can't wait statements that you're looking forward to something that's next, something around the corner, something that's next door, some, like a greener pastures. And it's not necessarily a bad thing having these looking forward moments. But what can often be missed is a lack of contentment 
in the now. When we're always looking for what's next, sometimes we can miss the now. And I'm going to quote Obi-Wan Kenobi because I've never done it before. And he said, be mindful of the future but not at the expense of now. There we go, got it in. Um, but there's a, there's a relevance there of what is here now for us. See, look, always, always looking at something else can actually create a discontentment in our own lives. And maybe the season that you're in now, you're not particularly thrilled at. And so looking at what's next is a really good thing. Can't wait for that next good thing to kick in. Maybe the season you're in is really tough and you've just found out you've got cancer or you've just found out a loved one's passed away or you've just found out some, some, some terrible news. And I'm not trying to trivialise the season that you're going through, but to simply say it is a season and the seasons will change, but our contentment is not based on our circumstances or situation. Now, uh, the author of Ecclesiastes, some say Solomon, some say uh, Quebec or whoever, how you pronounce his name, um, had... Uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes had some profound insights into, into this life, the purpose of life, the meaning of life, and particularly into the sense of longing, of what is next, or striving for something more. And uh, we're going to read through some of Ecclesiastes because you've, you've no doubt heard Ecclesiastes 3. It's quite a poetic and well-known um, passage of Scripture. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 3. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. In, inside this, this beautiful poetic prose, it's, this is a beautiful picture of the extremities of life. It's like a continuum. This is not the author's list of things I want you to achieve in life. This is not like a checklist. I've, I've done the, the war, I've done the peace, I've done the tear, I've done the mend. This is saying that in all of us there's seasons and somewhere along the lines we fit inside this, this collection of seasons that we go through as humanity. It's, it captures the breadth of human experience. It's a beautiful spectrum that the author is looking for. Now the challenge here is, is that sometimes we don't recognise that we're actually in a season. Sometimes that we, we, we see this, what's around us and we're like, oh, this is just life. This is just what it is. And we don't recognise that seasons change. So it would be wise for us to acknowledge first off that the season you're in has an end. And some of you are like, thank goodness for that. Thank goodness that the season has an end. Now, we don't know the, the when. Uh, that's where we trust God. But there is a season, and it's not always, not always a bad thing that it's coming to an end. And there's a, there's a saying that uh, says, um, if you're going through hell for heaven's sake, don't stop. So it's not trying to trivialize the hard season that you're going through, uh, but it's recognizing that the seasons will change, and seasons won't last forever. And uh, then the author of Ecclesiastes goes on to write, 
uh, in verse 9, What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. And this burden is talking about, this burden is a burden of contentment. This burden is a burden of striving to change the season you're in. Now, I wonder how much of our prayer life goes into, God, please change my situation. How much of our prayer life is like, I, I can't wait for the what comes next. I just can't wait. It's, it's going to be so good, what's around the corner. God, would you hurry up and make that happen? Would you end the current season I'm in? This is a burden of us striving. It's, a, it's humanity striving to achieve, to, to gain more, to become more prosperous, to have more freedoms, to have more rights, to have more, more and more and more. It's, it's a perpetual get, you know, chasing of the wind, as the author writes. It's, it's in, in a sense, it's futile. And it's meaningless simply trying to change the seasons we're in. And uh, this, is an, this is a really hard one to, to, for us to accept, that maybe, just maybe, we're in a season right now that God has us intentionally. And maybe we don't like that season. Maybe we're like, you know, well, God, why can't you change it? Like, why, why does this have to be? It's interesting when the idea of trying to change the seasons, like you imagine trying to change winter to summer. Like, the idea is kind of crazy, and it's kind of crazy in a sense for us to try and change sometimes the seasons in our lives. Now, one thing I'm not saying, I'm not saying we need to just roll over and play dead and let life roll over the top of us. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, is that God is in control and that sometimes he allows us to go through seasons that we don't like because he is doing something. Now, my primary purpose in life is not to change the circumstances I'm in. My primary purpose is not to change my life and what's around me. My primary purpose is to be obedient and follow God. And uh, we're going to get to that in a bit, but the author, uh, I believe, brings out uh, three beautiful realities out of this passage of Scripture. And uh, the first reality is that seasons are there for a reason. In verse 11, he said, He has made everything beautiful in its time. And this is not saying that every season is beautiful. If, you, if you're going through a really tough patch, maybe it's your health, maybe it's your finances, you're just really struggling to keep ends together. It's, it's, the author's not saying, hey, that's beautiful. Try and look on the, on the glass half full side of being broke. But what he's saying is, is that there's a season and stitched together, there's a beautiful plan. God is orchestrating something beautiful together and in his, in his, his sight and his plan, it's beautifully held together, perfectly, beautifully orchestrated. It's God's master plan. The Israelites spent 400 years in Egypt. They started out uh, as, as partners with the Egyptians, and after 400 years of being exposed to the Egyptian gods and the controls and powers that be, they ended up in slavery inside Egypt. And their, their cry was, where are you, God? The Israelites were like, where are you, God? Why are you allowing us to be in this season? For 400 years, it's a long time for them. But there was a purpose behind them being there. There was a reason them being there in that season. You see, the Israelites were struggling with idolatry. They had lots of gods. They had lots of things controlling them. And being immersed in Egyptian culture, they were immersed with a whole lot of 
of gods that were defined in front of them. They had the sun god Ra. They had all these gods that controlled the Egyptians' way of life. And as God extracted Israel from under the control and power of the other gods, he was revealing to Israel that he alone is true, he alone is good, and he alone is, alone is, in, alone is in control. But it was a revelation. The ten plagues of Egypt actually target the ten central gods of the Egyptians. The sun god Ra, you know, covered in darkness. It's, it's really cool when you go through the, the different ways that God is targeting the idols in people's lives. And he does that in, life, in our lives. He does that sometimes in the seasons we're in. In the situations and circumstances we're in. Often God is saying, hey, there's something that your heart is longing and desiring for that's not of me. And sometimes he takes us into a place of barrenness, of depend, where you learn dependence on him. You see, Israel, after spending 400 years in Egypt, they came out with unrecognizing understanding what obedience looked like. Yes, they grumbled from time to time, but they followed Moses and, and Joshua, and they went into the Promised Land, and they, they had incredible faith based on incredible trust because they had been through an experience with God and they acknowledged the seasons that they had been through. The second thing is it's not always about you. Uh, in the next verse continues, He has also set eternity in the hearts, in a human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And this is a beautiful picture that uh, we can't fathom what God is doing. And that's a good thing, because my little mind would just explode if God tried to explain why I'm in the season I'm in. I just couldn't handle it, and uh, I would pop like that. Um, but God is at work. He's always at work. And I want to encourage us that the season you're in, good, bad, ugly, scary, horrendous, whatever it is, God is active. God is not abandoning you. He's wanting you to trust him. To trust him, he's got this. He's in control and he will bring you through it. But it's not always about us. See, often his, his plan is about bigger than us. It's a, maybe it's about our family. Maybe it's about our kids. Maybe it's about their neighborhood. Maybe God is, is you know, hypothetically, God you know, takes you out of your place of prosperity and wealth and puts you in a poor neighborhood so you can minister and be the only Christian witness in a poor neighborhood. Now, I would rather be obedient in that space than try to hold on to my wealth and miss the opportunity of what God has purpose and plan for his people, what, what that looks like. See, it's not about us. In Exodus 23, um, God, God gave the command for the Israelites for their land, 23 verse 11, to every seventh year stop. They had to have a year of rest for the land. And so they would be ploughing and planting, agrarian society would be planting lots of food and, and, and harvesting, but every seventh year they would stop and they said, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to harvest, you're not allowed to plant anything on the field. There needs to be a year of rest for the plants. And in our society, we're like, oh, we're clever. Let's just bombard the land with fertilizer so we can continually have harvest all the time. But the, the purpose of that, of that law was actually so that the fields could naturally regenerate the nutrients, but also so that the poor people could gather the harvest. See, that, it was set up that the poor people were not neglected. The poor people weren't, weren't um, abused or taken, taken over. They, they, there was this provisions for the people and the poor people, and it often meant that 
the person who owned the field would have to go a year without having anything out of that. That that season of no harvest was actually for other people to be blessed. And sometimes I think it's it's wise for us to recognise that God's plan is bigger than our plan and our desire for more, bigger, better. God has you in the community you're in for a reason. That's a profound revelation. Does that change our prayer life? God, instead of take me out of the space I'm in and put me somewhere nice and greener, maybe, maybe the questions that ought to be asking ourselves is why? What, what, what have you got for me, God, in this place that you've got me? What have you got for me? So why am I planted here? Why, why am I in this community? Often the why takes a while to realise. When, when uh, my wife and I took our kids out of Calvary, we loved Calvary, great school, we just really felt God was calling us to put our kids in Vicky Point. And we didn't understand it at the time. It was a, a, it was a painful, it was a hard decision, honestly, because Calvary is such a great school. And, um, and put it in, into Vicky Point, it was a hard transition, but it's a beautiful tra- transition. And, and a couple of years in, we're just seeing the heart change for us, that we love Vicky Point now. We love the school. We want to be a part of it. We want to bless the community. We're having connections with people we've never had connections before. But it was a season that we just have to walk in obedience as, as believers as we follow Christ. And it's not always about us. It's about what God can do in and through us. And now we, my wife's the chaplain in the school and has incredible connections to, to help and serve and bless that community. It's not always about us. But uh, often our pain is a gateway of connection to someone else. So our situations it might not be rosy. We might wish it away. But I guarantee there's a purpose and a plan that God has for us in the moment we're in if we take the time to stop and recognise his voice instead of necessarily always just trying to change where we are. There's this, this beautiful idea that disruption is a good thing. Now, COVID, if I was to explain or define what COVID has been for me, it's been disruption. It's all the things that I love has been disrupted. Community. I love people. If you haven't picked up on that by now, you're something wrong. Um, I love people. I love community. I think community is incredibly important. COVID has put a hammer through that. It's been disruption. Maybe it's been your business. Maybe it's been your relationships. Maybe it's your family relationships where some of you are vaccinated and some of you aren't and it's put a sledgehammer through the relationships in you that you're with. You see, it's, it's, a, it's a disruption that has, that has come through. But can I just bring us back to disruptions can be a really good thing. And we go back to the, the ploughing and the, and the sowing and, and reaping analogy that's right through Scripture being an agrarian society, they, they knew a lot about plants and, and growing and harvesting. But what if disruption is simply ploughing the the your fields in your life, turning the soil over, breaking up the hard places in your life so that God can do something in your life. God can work and he's, he's sowing seeds into where you think there's... You've become hard or maybe you've become shut off to the things of God in an area in your life and, and these disruptions keep coming through. Maybe God is wanting us to respond and simply hear what his heart is for us in that space and to walk in obedience, necessarily then trying to fight the disruptions. See, the ground is probably always going to not enjoy being ploughed. We'll be plough going through, churning all the soil over. It's not a nice place to be in. 
It's, it's restless. And I, that's kind of like how I feel now. This is a season of, of, of frustration, of everything I know is kind of turned on its head. And I'm just, God, I just, all I've got is you. And that's a beautiful place to be. But it can be unsettling. But it brings us to a place of trust, trusting his timing. Now, recently, um, I rebuilt my posty motorbike motor. I stripped it all apart, and YouTube is beautiful. And uh, it's a beautiful thing, some, some of the things on YouTube anyway. And um, cat videos are awesome. Uh, but uh, on, on YouTube, I learned how to put my motor back together. Like, posty bikes are an amazing motorbike. And um, I put it all back together, and I was really proud of it. I'm like, you know what? Um, I didn't have any leftover screws. That, for me, is a big thing, screws and bolts. And usually when I rebuild things, I'm like, at the end, I'm like, I've got all these parts left over. But not this time. And I'm, I tried to turn it on. Nothing happened. You see, I, I thought I'd got it all sorted. I'd got everything worked out neatly and like it was all there. I put grease in it and I, everything, put new spark plugs in. I'm like, it theoretically should have worked beautiful according to my plan. And then I took it to mechanic my tail between my legs, and uh, he's like, oh, your timing's out. I'm like, what? I didn't even know there's a thing. And I discovered there's a timing belt in it, and a timing belt does, you know, it's probably the most significant part of a motorbike. Um, if a timing belt goes, if it goes in your car, your, your engine usually blows up. Uh, it's a big thing, timing belts. And, and I just, I, I want to challenge us, encourage us as a church that the timing that we are wanting is different to God's timing, but his timing makes things work. Our timings blow things up. God's timing makes things happen. And so sometimes we might be frustrated with God's timing. We might be frustrated with the seasons that he's got us in. But his timing makes things work. And so it's more an admission of, do we actually trust God? That's what it really boils down to. If I trust God, genuinely, intentionally trust him, I'm trusting his timing and that produces a beautiful gift of content, being content. And that brings us to reality number two. It's not working. There we go. Being content is a gift produced by trust. Ecclesiastes 3.12 I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is a gift from God. And this is, this is a kind of a, a revelation that precedes Jesus. See, this is a, a revelation before Jesus came to earth and gave his mission and purpose to humanity. This is kind of as good as it gets. As good as it gets is, oh, I'll just work hard and find satisfaction in that. And then Jesus came and like, hey, I've got a purpose that is so much more, that is so much bigger that I want to invite you into. But underlying all this is that we trust in God's provision and his protection. And there's a gift of that, a gift of freedom, a gift of being content in our season. God, who who do you want me to be in this season rather than what do you want me to change in my season? But it is an acknowledgement that God is God, that he's in control. So when I'm trying to control my life and act as a God or become a God, I, I, I mess things up. I struggle and I start to become worried. You're not designed to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. You're not designed to carry that burden of what's around the corner, what's happening tomorrow, what season you're in. 
Imagine the burden of trying to change the seasons. You know, you're like, I really like winter, being a Kiwi, I like winter. I really struggle with summer. Um, in, in Queensland, we only have one and a half seasons. We have, we have really, really hot and we've got really hot. And uh, there are two seasons, but, but everywhere else in the world, there's like seasons. But imagine how hard it must be to strive and try and change the physical seasons. No wonder humanity's burdened trying to change the situations they're in. I think a better question would be, God, who do you want me to be in the season? And maybe a season will change because you are changed. Maybe the seasons will change naturally as God's like, all right, you've learned everything I want you to learn in the season. Now you're ready for the next season in your life. Maybe God is waiting for us to respond to him before we enter into what's next. See, my level of contentment depends on my level of trust in God. I can work hard. I can try and change my situation. But God has a bigger plan. And he wants us to work. He wants us to be good stewards. I'm not saying we just roll over and let life roll over us and just trust God. I'm saying that we work towards his purpose and plan and trust him and lean on him and rest in him. See, Jesus, Jesus gave us the command. He said, the, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. He, there's a lot of work to be done. There's a, there's a lot of work according to his plan. But it's not, his plan is, I guarantee, his plan is not focused on your comfort. It is not focused on your situation at the, ex, at the expense of what he's doing. But he is also good and he is also for us. So God wants us to enjoy life. One of the beautiful things about being a Christian, I believe, is that I don't need to find purpose in the things I do because my purpose is derived from my relationship with Jesus. That's where my purpose comes from. That's where my identity comes from. And that gives incredible freedom to enjoy life to its fullest. And that's a good thing, to seize the moment, to seize the day. Uh, you might have heard the saying, carpe diem, is that how you say it? It's, it's Latin. I don't speak Latin, um, but I know how to say seize the day. And uh, we, we've heard this in the society, and it, and it sounds like a really good thing. And like I, you know, probably 10 years ago, I would have got this as a tattoo on my back, seize the day, because I'm like, hey, I love it. Seize the day, grab hold of the now. And there's an element of truth in this, and I want us to hang on to that. But I also think that it can be a little bit misguided. See, seize the day can be another way of saying, I can't wait. I'm going to make it happen now. I'm going to change. I'm going to, I'm going to take hold of all the things in life right now and, and make it happen. Often it is basically a sense of I'm going to embrace self-indulgent at the expense of those around me. It can be another way of saying it. But I'd say there's a biblical way of looking at carpe diem, of seize the day in a biblical pursuit is this, take up your cross and follow Jesus. Seize the day. That's how you seize the day, by laying, like letting go of your agenda and taking hold of what God has for you today. And so I'll leave us with one question. The one question I have is a question I think it would be worth asking every single day. God, what is it you want for me today? What do you want me to lay hold of today? Is there someone I need to forgive today? Is there someone I need to ask for forgiveness from and I need to repent? Is there someone, is there a relationship that you're wanting me to walk in humility and admit I was wrong? I really don't like that one. What is the one thing God is wanting you to do today? 
Maybe it's to give a random act of kindness, a generous money gift to someone. What is it? What is that one thing? And, and as we start to get good at this as a church, I wouldn't be surprised if we're not just asking what is the one thing to do today, but what is the hundred things you want for us today, God? But learning to follow Jesus is learning to listen to his voice. And sometimes it takes baby steps of learning what is that one thing you want for me to do today. Seize the day. Seize what God has for us today. And it brings us to the third reality. Uh, You will never be content while you play the role of God. You simply weren't designed or cut out to play that role of control. You're never meant to control the things in your life. Now, I'm not talking about letting go of responsibility. I think there's a very, very different, very big difference between the two. God wants us to be responsible. He wants us to be good workers. He wants to be, you know, to care for the people around us. But he doesn't want us to necessarily try to control the outcomes of everything. We're more talking about the outcomes. To work hard with all your strength and might for his purpose and plan, not controlling what happens, but recognizing that God's plan, his timing, He's good, he's for us, he loves us, but his purpose is bigger than what's in front of us right now. Ecclesiastes 12.13 Now all has been heard, here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commands, for this is the whole duty of man. The author of Ecclesiastes finishes his whole book with the statement, this book about struggling with the purpose of life or meaning, He's like this, this is it, fear God and keep his commands. Now we're not talking about being trembling in fear. That word fear, is a better better translation would be um, reverence, respect, awe. And when we, here's the thing, when we uh, respect and are in awe of God, we want to obey him. It's a natural thing. If, if you're in awe of someone, you listen to what they say. It's, it's the natural response and uh, we're keeping his commands. And here's the thing. When you're a kid, you get lots of things you're told not to do. Don't cross the road. Don't play with, don't throw rocks at cars. I've had to recently tell my boy that one. Um, there's, there's, there's a whole lot of things that you don't do. Don't play with knives until you get to my age. Uh, don't play with swords. Don't play with fire. You know, there's a lot of don'ts statements. But as we grow, we start to realize the heart behind it. And it's actually, there's a whole lot of things we want you to do. We want you to be generous. We want you to be caring for the people around us. And God's commands are in a similar way. As we grow and mature in our faith, I'm not saying we don't have to keep any commands. I'm saying they change. Our hearts change. It's not about what we can't do. It's about what we can do. The focus is on, hey, guys, I want you to love your community. I want you to love your workmate. Your, Your enemy, the one that really hates you, and really frustrates you, I want you to love them back. The, the do-good component of obeying, obeying God. See, God is very, very active. It's not just about don't do the bad things. He wants us to enter into the good. Because God has an amazing adventure. Young people, God has an amazing adventure for you guys ahead. And it's something that we, by obedience, walk in. And it's just absolutely amazing. Uh, when, when I went to Israel, that was purely a, God put on my heart, go to Israel. And it was just a, a three-month adventure of just following God. And he would just open up things in such an incredible way. And somehow I found myself repairing tanks. And it was just awesome as a young 18-year-old boy. 
really, really cool. The Christian life is an amazing adventure. And along the way, I got to meet and encourage and challenge and speak about Jesus to a whole lot of people that I wouldn't have. The Christian journey is an adventure. It's a good thing. So when we obey him, it's not bad and sad and boring. It's an adventure. And that's what we need to lay hold of. Obeying God is the bestest life. And that's the whole duty of man. Because when we fear God, we want to obey him. And uh, that is what we need to know. Seasons will change. You know that? And when we trust God, the I can't wait moments for tomorrow, what's happening next, become I can wait. I'm trusting your timing, God, because I trust you. And when we come to know God and to start to recognize his voice, we can trust him more and more because he wants the absolute best. I'm going to finish with a, a, a prayer from Thomas Aquinas, a sort of famous historian, historian, a theologian. And he wrote this. He said, Most loving Lord, grant me a steadfast heart which no unworthy desire may drag downwards, an unconquered heart which no hardship may wear out, an upright heart which no worthless pursuit may ensnare. Impart to me also, O God, the understanding to know you, the diligence to seek you, a way of life to please you, and a faithfulness that may embrace you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you have so much for us to lay hold of. Would you replace this discontent for what, 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 what's in front of us, the situations we have, with asking what you want us to do in the moment? Lord, would you replace our frustrations and our failures and our mistakes and that's holding us back? Lord, would you replace that with obedience, that we would listen to your voice, that we would respond in obedience, that we would enjoy relationship with you, that we'd discover a deeper meaning? Lord, we don't always know what's going on. We can't fathom what you're doing, but we know that you are for us and that you are with us and that you are guiding us. Lord, would we trust your timing? Would we trust your plan? Would we trust that the season we're in, you're at work within, and that you would change that season in your time? Lord, would you release the burden of changing everything from your people? Lord, would we simply trust you and, and step in obedience with you? Lord, would you challenge our hearts, encourage us today, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Church, just stand and just sing one last song as we leave. This I believe. What a great um, declaration of our faith and of who it is that we believe in.